Well, I have to give credit. I always remember to give credit for the concept of burning the box. It came from the first guest that I had on the now series, Instagram live series. So that individual also did our, the same coaching program that you and I did. And she's a doctor, Cosmos MD. So in her bio, I was introducing her, I was reading her bio and she's like, I like to step outside the box, smash the box and burn the box. And it resonated so much. And then I brought that in, you know, that came into our conversation that that it's like, I've just taken it. I I mean, I asked her, you know, and I use it in this series because it's so, it's a good metaphor for what I think sensual sovereignty is. Because as we, this piece of the sensual sovereignty, which is, the license to expand the expression of our true essence. That piece is so important. I mean, it all is the embodied love and the liberation, like feeling this in our bodies. But when we can really give ourselves permission to expand the expression of our essence, that's when kind of like the magic happens because that's when we are no longer fitting into these confined and constricted places in our lives, roles that we didn't want, that we don't want anymore, let's say, place ways of showing up that don't feel good because we're just like fitting ourselves into these small places. And it's like, no, we don't have to do that. We get to expand out. We get to burn the box even, you know, and just be in a bigger space, a different space, create something totally different. Hi, I'm your host, Justine Oxoy, and this is the Pleasurehood Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a mother, a leader, an all-around badass from a place of pleasure, empowerment, and turn-on. I am here to revolutionize how humans experience sex, pleasure, and motherhood by normalizing self-care, normalizing having desires, and normalizing mothers as sensual and sexual beings. Quick side note, you don't have to be a mother in order to listen to this podcast. Though I create my work with mothers in mind, this conversation is for everyone. I truly believe that pleasure is one of many paths of healing, and I'm here to highlight how to walk that path, no matter who you are. It is my deepest desire that wherever you find yourself on this amazing journey we call life, you can experience your power, your turn on, and of course, orgasmic pleasure. Welcome to episode eight of the Pleasurehood Podcast, the final episode of this season. In this episode, I have a conversation with one of my favorite people, my dear friend, the sensual alchemist herself, Dr. Sonali Deepika. Dr. Sonali Deepika is a holistic sensuality coach and integrative physician passionate about guiding people to honor the sacred nature of their bodies and to connect to the deep wisdom which lies within. 
She spent nearly 20 years in Chicago studying and practicing conventional medicine, specializing in child and adolescent psychiatry. Her path eventually led her to find her heart-centered calling to serve as essential alchemists to women and femmes of culture, guiding them to their sensual sovereignty, embodied love, liberation, and the license to expand the expression of their own true essence. My conversation with Sonali centers around the power of sensual sovereignty. We live in a time when our bodily autonomy and sovereignty is constantly coming under threat time and time again. How we choose to practice our personal sovereignty is always coming into question. That is why this conversation is so potent because now more than ever, it is time for us to define sovereignty and how we live and express that sovereignty on our own terms. Central sovereignty is more than just an expression. It is a way of being. It's a way of physically moving through the world and a powerful way to connect with it. In my conversation with Sonali, we explore how central sovereignty is connected to our inner experience of our body how to feel empowered around what happens in our own body and what we get to experience in our own body. We discuss our own relationship to spirit and divinity and giving ourselves permission to have soul expression through our bodies. We also explore how sensual sovereignty shows up in motherhood and parenthood. It's such a juicy conversation And it is my deepest hope that you walk away with wisdom that deeply resonates with you. Enjoy. Yay, I am so excited to have this conversation with my good friend, Sonali. I feel like basically you're getting a look into our everyday conversations, whether it's on Zoom or it's in WhatsApp or through email. Like this is just the conversations we are constantly having with one another. So I'm excited to just share a peek into, you know, the conversations we usually have. But welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the Pleasurehood podcast and I can't wait to go deep with you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for inviting me. So we're going to just go straight into it. And one thing that I absolutely love about your work is how you speak about central sovereignty. And I know for me personally, in my motherhood journey in the two years that I've been a mother, sovereignty is a huge theme that comes up for me time and time again. So I am just curious of why central sovereignty? Like what about it called to you? And 
what about sensual sovereignty just like speaks to you in your heart? Mm, it was during this pandemic, though, like early in it, where these words came together for me, and it was like, this is really important. When it first came, it's not like I had a clear definition for myself, more of just a a feeling about it, or it just was something in my body, like central sovereignty. This is really important. And then I started to, to put words to it. So eventually when I sat to like, what is it? How would I define it? The words came to me of that central sovereignty is embodied love, liberation, and the license to expand the expression of our true essence. And it's really interesting once those words came, like in the beginning, I'd have to have them written down because I was like, wait, what did I write again? (laughs) What did I say this was? And now it just rolls. It's just, it's embodied. It's more embodied, like what this meaning is. I started doing different things like teaching workshops around it this is a central sovereignty workshop. And then I'd have some topic related to it. And people sometimes would come up, well, what is it? And I would fumble a little bit like what it was. Then eventually I came up with this definition. And then, as you know, from being on it yourself, I, I started just earlier this year to start having conversations with melanated beings, with women of culture, you know, to like, breathe life into it because it was kind of just this heady like I made the definition but it's like what is this really what does this really mean and it's been amazing to have these conversations I I think I've had now 18 of them or 19 of them or something so it's kind of like giving me a chance to experience sensual sovereignty through so many different other people's perspectives and it keeps coming up as being something important. Like, for example, as we know, with like Roe v. Wade and now this decision over abortion is like no longer, no longer something that those of us in vulva-bodied bodies and, and women, women's bodies like have no control over. And it's like, it was just a reminder of how that's how it's been for so, so long. I mean, for, I don't know the history actually, but you know, I would say like hundreds of years, thousands, who knows where women haven't had control over their own bodies. So it'll come back in these different ways. I feel like for me, it comes back to our own inner experience, you know, like how can we feel empowered over what happens in our own bodies. And it's come back to me again about this kind of like this vertical line that we have, like any of us, where it's not about anybody else, but it's about our own body and our own relationship to the creator, spirit, the divine, however we look at that, but just like that connection, like that we are divinely here in these bodies and that we get to have our own connection to this kind of a higher power and that we get to decide 
we get to make decisions about what we experience in our body. Like that's ours. Like we get to experience love in our own bodies. We get to experience liberation in our own bodies. And this other aspect of this, the license to expand the expression is so interesting because I had shared that in a copyright, there was a copywriting thing and the copywriter was kind of like, Oh, that's excessive. Don't you feel like you don't need to put a license to expand expression. Like, couldn't it just be expression? And it made me reflect on like, no, that all needed to be there for me because we need to give ourselves permission because that's also something we haven't had for so long. It's like permission to express our, our blueprint, our dharma, like however you want to look at that. It's like we come into the world in this body with something that our soul wants to express and we get to have license to expand that expression. So anyway, <laughs> that's a lot there, but that's kind of... <laughs> no, it's so good. And there's so many beautiful themes that like as you were speaking, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because I feel like these are things that come up for a lot of individuals, whether you're deciding to be a mother or a parent or not. A lot of these questions of like having license over your body. Sometimes I think about having a second child, but I think about how much of myself, of my body I had to give from the very beginning of the process, not only storing and housing and taking care of and nurturing my son, which you know I did happily, but also postpartum feeding him, nurturing him, making sure he was safe, like him just being on me and feeling safe and connected. And I'm just to a place where I feel like my body is my own again, even though he's still little and he still very much needs me. It's not to where it's like, you know, if I don't hold him or like feed him, you know, his survival is depending on my body. And so I think about this a lot about the giving of the body, the giving up of the body and the importance of sovereignty in that choice. And like you brought up Roe v. Wade and it really took away not just the choice of having a child or not, it took the choice of being able to be a sovereign being or not. And I think that's a choice that everyone should have. Everyone should have the choice of what to do over their body, what they deem best for themselves, for their spirit, for their life's path, for their self-expression, how they want to show up in this world, how they want to walk through this world. And a lot of people don't really think of it that way. Like, I don't think people were like really sit down and think of it that way, or even just think about different ways that their bodily autonomy and sovereignty is being infringed upon <laughs> on, a constant, on a daily basis. 
And I don't think we even see the importance of it because I think it's just, especially in the US, almost how it works. And I feel like we're conditioned at a young age to like look a certain way, to wear clothes a certain way. Like the self-expression of ourselves and our body are completely disconnected and it becomes more about like conforming than self-expression. And so, yeah, that's like what was coming up for me while you were, while you were speaking. And I feel like this is such a good segue into like burning the box, which is your Instagram series. And if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you go to Sonali's Instagram page and watch all of them because all of them are such potent conversations around burning the box around different themes in our lives. And yeah, I would love to hear more about like the concept of burning the box and like how it came to be and like, what does burning the box mean for you? Mm, Thank you. Well, I have to give credit. I always remember to give credit for the concept of burning the box. It came from the first guest that I had on the now series, Instagram live series. So that individual also did our, the same coaching program that you and I did. And she's a doctor, Cosmos MD. So in her bio, I was introducing her, I was reading her bio and she's like, I like to step outside the box, smash the box and burn the box. And it resonated so much. And then I brought that in, you know, that came into our conversation that, that it's like, I've just taken it. You know, I, feel, I mean, I asked her, you know, and I use it in this series because it's so, it's a good metaphor for what I think sensual sovereignty is. Because as we, this piece of the sensual sovereignty, which is, the license to expand the expression of our true essence. That piece is so important. I mean, it all is the embodied love and the liberation, like feeling this in our bodies. But when we can really give ourselves permission to expand the expression of our essence, that's when kind of like the magic happens because that's when we are no longer fitting into these confined and constricted places in our lives, roles that we didn't want, that we don't want anymore, let's say, place ways of showing up that don't feel good because we're just like fitting ourselves into these small places. And it's like, no, we don't have to do that. We get to expand out. We get to burn the box even, you know, and just be in a bigger space, a different space, create something totally different. And I think, I do think that's relevant to motherhood. It's definitely relevant to like work that we choose. And that's where this other person, Cosmos and I really connected around of, actually, she's still working in the medical field, but, but stretching and doing different things. And for me, it was like, I can't even work in that field anymore. <laughs> As time goes, just got another email today that like the last board certification that I worked very hard for, it's going to expire. And it was like a reminder. And whenever I see those kind of things, I'm like, uh, I worked, I know that I worked so hard for that, but it's like that box does not contain, it doesn't satisfy me anymore. 
I don't want to be in that box and I can choose to be in a different box. I can choose to be as I am in living in a different country in Mexico. I can choose work that's totally, totally different than what I was used to doing. But that's my story. But like, I just am finding in that series that it's like this for so many women who are making that choice, who are like claiming their sovereignty and then really being conscious about the decisions they make in their lives, ways that they want to show up, what feels good to them, what feels yummy, what brings pleasure, you know, and it's burning boxes or stepping out of boxes or something <laughs> like that. So. No, I love that so much. And we talked about, I was on an episode um, with our friend Nika and I was talking about motherhood and like my desire of burning the box of like what motherhood is supposed to be or what like society thinks it should be. And just being like, no, I get to create a motherhood based on like what feels good for me. And I think that is so important to give people permission that they get to have a choice and how they not only live their life, but how they express their being, their spirit, their who they are. And yeah, I find that, I mean, I don't want to put this on everyone, but and make a blanketed statement, but I can see how the box of motherhood can be a very constricting one. Like it can be a very constricting, like this is how it is. This is how it always has been. You take care of your kids. You take care of your family first. You put yourself second. Any like desires, wants, needs that you had, you have to like put them on hold. And I remember being told that as a kid. And I think it was kind of like a threat, to be honest with you, to try and keep me from having children before, you know, like having sex, really. It wasn't really to keep me from having children. It was to keep me from having sex. But like just the threat of like, you know, if you have a kid, it's going to change your life. And, you know, you're not going to be able to do anything and go anywhere. And I think I subconsciously kept this belief inside of me for so long. And honestly, I think that's why I didn't have Arda until I did because who wants to operate from that place of like, once you bring life into this world, like your life just stops. And when I had Arda, I remember consciously making the decision of like, no, this is just the beginning. This is a path to, this is like an initiation and I get to decide what that initiation is and, you know, what motherhood is going to look like and feel like for me. And I get to like grow out of that. And it's an important subject to talk about. It gives other people permission to do the same for themselves and to create a different reality for themselves. Yeah, I really love that example of how you are embracing your own sensual sovereignty of what that looks like as a mother. So much of this, the sensual sovereignty and the burning boxes really invites us to be very discerning about 
what is coming from the outside to us, people's projections, just the cultural, social, familial conditioning and expectations. And that's a lot, especially with motherhood, there's a lot there. And to be discerning of like, what is my deep desire? What do I truly desire for myself? What longings do I have? What urges do I have? What do I want to cultivate that's like coming from within me? This is so powerful. This little concept is so powerful because then we, when we can be discerning and, and see, we get to just step back a little bit and like, wait, that was that person or this whole group of people or my parents or, you know, like that's what these, all these people wanted or thought or said, you know, but actually I get to decide. I get to choose what's best for me. I get to choose what my deepest desire is. I get to choose to support my own longings and and all of that. And that's really, that's really, really so powerful because I feel like it's very easy to go through a whole lifetime and never really be that discerning and question and really look at, wait, this is what I want because we can live our lives for other people with easily do that. If we just take one step after another, what are people telling us to do? What should we do? What ought we to do? What are people thinking about what we're doing? So we can live in all of that a whole lifetime. And it's happened already lifetimes upon lifetimes. But I feel like where we are now with some of the privileges that we have that perhaps our parents and their parents and their parents just didn't have. I know, I know that's true for myself. It's really like we're pioneers. We get to be pioneers in this. We get to do things that people may not like. They may not agree with. They may judge. And we still get to choose and decide for ourselves. My gosh. Yes. Yes. And what I'm finding too is that I get to create a new paradigm, not only for myself, but also for like my lineage as well. I get to do it. My mother did it a completely different way than her mother and her mother did it a completely different way than her mother. And it's not easy whatsoever, but it feels so good to know that like, oh, I get to, I get to shift the paradigm of my mother, of my grandmother, and I get to create a life of my own making. And I get to be the example of that for my child. And he gets to do that for himself. And he gets to be the example for his child. And I feel like that's how we get to grow and expand in our lineage and our familial and ancestral lines and also just in the world too, right? Like if people, (laughs) I always think about this, like if people as a mom, I'm like, 
I'm raising the next generation of humans, right? And in a way we all are, but like me specifically, I'm raising my son. And if I'm not the person that I want to be, if I'm not like a transformed, healed, fully self-expressed, fully realized to the best of my ability, human, how can we expect to create a path for our children to be the same and for a better world? I really believe that. I really believe like the more that we heal ourselves, the more that we become the individual we truly want to be, we get to transform our world in the process. And I, you know, want to give people the permission slip to do that because I really feel like our world, humanity, (laughs) our society depends on it. It depends on us changing and shifting our paradigm and living and breathing into new possibilities. Because if we don't, we're just going to keep reliving the same traumas, the same pain and grief that we have been going through for generations and generations. And not to say that each generation doesn't get better because it does. And like you said, we have privileges that obviously our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents did not have. And I acknowledge that. I'm not saying like things are still horrible, but at the same time, there's so much healing that needs to be done. And if we're not willing, like you said, to be discerning about like, what do I really want? What do I want to bring into my energy or into my world and like really slow down and be intentional about the life that we're building and creating. I really feel like we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> like I really do. Oh yeah. It's such a, it's such a good point. And I really appreciate you bringing in this aspect of the, of our lineage of our ancestral healing this is what really came through to me with this embodied liberation. It's like, it's like being in a place where there is enough, there is some space there, there is some capacity there to actually do this questioning, to give ourselves space, to give ourselves permission because we're not in Like, I'll just think of my parents, my own parents, and maybe their parents too, where it was survival, survival, survival. It was work, work, survival, put a roof over the family's head. Like, I always had my needs, but I I didn't have to go through what, what my parents have gone through. But it also gives a bit of space to actually do this kind of work, you know, if you will, like to be discerning, to look at like, oh, what has gotten passed down and passed down? And I honestly believe, and I don't know where this might be written. I'm I'm sure this has been looked at in different ways, but I think that 
when the nervous system is really in that survival mode and it's like the fight, the flight, you know, the freeze, like these mechanisms, the peace that are all, this is what's, what's happening most of the time. There isn't any space, is, I guess my point, is that when we get to a certain generation, then there is some space. There's some space where we can be in that, we can be regulated in our nervous system to be able to process things that didn't get processed for generations. So it's like that, all that's been handed down, like when we get to this point where the person in the lineage has the space, then this is the work to be done that couldn't have been done in other generations. So it really makes this something like you were alluding to. It's like so important or we're going to just pass down to the future generations that same kind of stress on the system that was that was there oh yeah yeah I love that so much and as you were speaking I was just like oh what a privilege to be in the position to be like oh I get to heal my ancestral and familial trauma what a privilege that I get that I have the time, the space to do that for not only myself, but for those who came before me and those who come after me. And I really feel that we are in, I mean, yeah, we're in such a unique position to really shift the narrative. And I feel like it is shifting, right? Like the past, I would say, like, let's say 2016, the last presidential, like, <laughs> election, okay? So let's say 2016. I feel like, yeah, for almost what, the past six years, things have been coming to light. If we look at the, the world as a, as a body, as a human, and I always think about you know, how we find ourselves in these situations where the things that want to be healed come bubbling to the surface. And a lot of times, what do we do? We like push it back down. We push it back down to the point where it can no longer be ignored. And I feel like that is what has been happening to us as a collective for the past six years from, you know, we can't ignore the racial turmoil that is happening, you know, in the US and all around the world. We can't ignore the fact that like our planet is dying. We can't ignore the fact that there is like political turmoil, that there is so much disconnection of people are are just constantly just at odds with one another. We can't ignore the fact that there is like deep sickness. <laughs> like there is like sickness that is being created and being circulated around, right? These things we cannot ignore anymore. Like it literally like slapped us in the face and it's coming up for a reason. It's like, it's coming to the surface for a reason. It's coming up to be healed. And it's really beautiful that we get to talk about 
healing ancestral and familial trauma. I think that's not like something I was even aware of when I was a kid, you know? It's amazing that there are so many beautiful teachers and leaders with tools and and sharing those tools and sharing their processes of healing. I think it, you know, that have been around for ever, but it's like kind of making its way into a ma- the mainstream. It's no longer like a counterculture type situation, right? So it's like for me. I am hoping in my like heart and soul that we like pay attention, that we wake up to what's happening. And, but at the same time, I do feel that all I can really do is focus on myself, share what I learn, share my tools, my processes with other people. Because I get it, people aren't going to like sit down. Most people aren't going to sit down and like read not only like self-development books, but also like books on racism or the nervous system or, you know, on pleasure. Like I get it. (laughs) But yeah, I just, this is the time for all of us to be open and willing to changing and seeing things differently to the best of our ability, of course, you know, like to the best of, of, what is available to us in our capacity. But yeah, that's like so much came up for me while you were talking. (laughs) Oh, yes. It's so good what you shared. And it's like, it is a really potent time to embrace and to step into our own sensual sovereignty as we shift and like we're healing and we're making paving new paths for ourselves, for our families, for those who are coming. And in doing so, we also help to shift the collective as well. Like that is also each individual coming together, you know, to to also do this kind of work. And of course, everyone's not going to be doing that. And, you know, as you were saying it, I mean, there is like just the word that's coming is one I've used already, but privilege, like there's do we have space? Do we have, you know, to actually delve into nervous system work and healing and pleasure and like all these things. But those of us that can, I think this is our time to, to lead by example and to really not take this lightly. The opportunities that we have with all the shadow are probably our own individual shadows and the collective shadows and all the ways that are all coming to light. And it's like, okay, now what do you decide? What steps are you going to take? Like that invitation is there for each of us. Yeah, the invitation is definitely there. And I think that it's important to speak on the fact that people can do this in like small ways, right? It's you don't have to like one, like blow up your life. (laughs) You know, if that doesn't resonate with you, don't blow up your life. You know, I'm reading pleasure activism right now. And what I'm receiving from this book is small acts of pleasure is revolutionary. And it is liberating 
not only for yourself, but for other people as well. And it doesn't have to be this huge demonstration of like, I am doing pleasure now. Like it doesn't have to be like a two hour a day thing. I think it's important to speak on that it's an embodied experience and it's a moment to moment experience. And pleasure is is truly like a medicine that you get to take in small increments when you can. And I think it's really important to speak on that. And I really, and I feel like it is part of, of creating more central sovereignty in your life because it's not to me pleasure or even central sovereignty isn't something you do. It's something that you become. It's a part of your being. It's a part of how you show up. And like I said, it's these are things that you can you can do and implement in your life in small ways. It's like for me, making my bed is a pleasure practice for me. Like every single morning, I make my bed with so much love and intention. And it really just shifts my day. Journaling in the morning, even if it's for like four minutes while Arda runs around, it's a way to activate my pleasure being inside. You know, these things are are meant to not be these huge demonstrations or acts. It's really just these small moments that you get to create every single day. Mm, thank you for that. I love that. I love the reminder and that, yeah, if we think that it has to be so much more, well, I've got to go do some course. I've got to be doing yeah, like two hours of pleasure practice a day or like whatever it is, we'll be done. Like it's done. Like we're never going to do it, you know, and then we'll just feel bad and like all this whole cycle of things, you know, and it's just so good to like take like, yeah, making the bed, making coffee or tea, watering plants, like being little things and really being intentional and allowing for all of our senses to be involved and in and to really allow time to stand still momentarily as we absorb and appreciate with all of our senses some some small task that's so powerful that's that can really like move mountains you know in a person's life to be intentional to prioritize this and to yeah like allow be in a state of allowing for an experience rather than our to-do list of all the things that need to be checked off. It's like, oh, we could just take three breaths and really be intentional and see what that does for our, for our bodies, for our nervous system, and for the experience, the shift that could happen in the next moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you were speaking, I was like, I was like, is this what sensual alchemy is? Is that a part of the sensual alchemy process? You know, it's such a good question. And you had mentioned to me like, oh, I want to talk about sensual alchemy. And I realized 
like I just today like created this little reel for my like Instagram and I realized that I don't actually talk too much about what it is so it was so good I'm like oh I'm so glad I'm really thinking about it. I just say it like I'm a central alchemist or this is a central alchemy program or whatever I'll use the term but what was coming to me today and then I realized oh it's there's so much more to explore there but what's coming to me today was yes this idea of let's allow ourselves to be intentional about what we're taking in through each of our senses in each moment, like, or in a moment or in an experience, what are we seeing and hearing and smelling and, and tasting and food that we're consuming, which of course is part of it. And it really is, it also goes beyond to just who we encounter, the interactions that we're having, because all of this is like sensory information. It's all coming in through the senses. And so the idea for sensual alchemy from my perspective is it reminded me, it took me back to what was my initial point of leaving the work that I was doing in medicine was discovering and really being captivated by Ayurveda, this ancient healing tradition. It's like thousands of years old. And there's some basics, even though I didn't ever like decide to go full on into it. I studied it some, but it's so vast. There's a really important concept there that was coming to me today, which is this idea of our digestive fire. So Ayurveda talks about Agni, A-G-N-I, which is our digestive fire. And yes, you can think of it like being in our like abdomen, like for our digestive tract, but it's really much more than that. It's very energetic. And it's really, when we have a strong digestive fire, we can process whatever's coming in from an experience, from an interaction, from something we watch on the news, from, you know, it's all this, like that, all of that gets processed through our digestive fire. And I'll just mention like when it's not all processed, which is, which is common because we're so overloaded by our devices, by like all the things, like the amount of sensory information that we're getting compared to before we had our phones and all that. It's like, we just get so much. So when it's not all able to be processed, then uh, this is, I'm making this very simplistic, but this turns into this like energetic sludge, if you will, it's called ama. And it just, that energetic sludge clogs up our energetic channels and it is in long-term what can lead to dis-ease and disease and illness. It's like we have too much ama in our system. Like think of it like too much toxin kind of, but energetically. And so the idea that was coming to me with the sensual alchemy is really that we work with this to not bypass it all, but to really take in what's coming in through our senses, like to feel, to sense, and to process it in such a way that it does get metabolized into an Ayurveda, what they would call ojas. And ojas is like light, vitality, it's radiance, it's bliss, it's pleasure, it's joy, it's ease, it's that. Sometimes they talk about it like it's the 
kind of the fountain of youth, right? Like if you have a lot of ojas in your system, you're glowing. You're just like overflow, right? You're like saturated. There's this abundance. There's this luscious kind of thing. I'm trying to use my different words. But that to me is a big piece of central alchemy. It's like being able to do that and being cognizant of that so that we're not having things that don't ever get seen, felt, witness and so then they're clogging up our you know energetic channels and then I'll just mention briefly because this is what I didn't get into in this little video I made but I think that it's also really important to name our sexuality and experiences that come through our sexuality and how that also which is big you know that those those experiences those memories those whatever we're holding in our system is also meant to be really metabolized so the guilt the shame the blame like all these things this is for us to look at and to be able to through whatever the there's so many different ways but you know forgive ourselves accept ourselves take responsibility for what we are holding within us so that that also gets metabolized so that doesn't clog, you know, our system. Oh, that's so good. Yes. I love that so much The con- and that concept that you just explained. And as I was listening, especially to the last part of the importance of forgiveness and acceptance, I feel, I mean, we all, we all need to practice those things, but I just also think about in the process of like becoming a mom, all of the the guilt and the shame that comes up around, you know, am I doing this right? And is my kid okay? Am I okay? Is my family, like, is my husband okay? Or partner okay? And just how there's so much to process, like not only your own feelings, but other people's emotions, their own feelings and just everything that comes up in life. And I was just thinking about the power of being able to transmute that into an energy that could actually like feed you and give you vibrance and vitality and how powerful that is. Because I, yeah, we get so caught up with the busyness of life and like doing the doing of life that we don't take the time to like really process and digest and release the things that like weigh us down that we're holding onto that can cause disease in our body and and how you look up and you're like well how did this happen how did I get so sick that yeah most people don't pay attention to those things until like they're so sick that they can't help but look at all the turmoil that has been happening in their bodies. But we don't really talk about like the the energetics of it or the emotions of it. We just usually talk about like the functioning of the body, but there's so much more that plays a part to to our to our illnesses and our disease. And and not even talking about like big illnesses or diseases, but even just getting a cold or getting the flu, 
know, getting a sore throat. Um, those things slow us down just as much. And it's our body trying to be like, hey, look at me, look at me. And I've found practicing pleasure, it has allowed me to slow down a lot more and be like, what's going on? Like, why do I feel this way? Why do I, why is there discontent? Why am I frustrated? Why do I feel sluggish? What needs aren't being met? What do I need right now in this moment? And, and really learning how to, you know, slow down, really see the big picture of what's happening inside of me and being able to like, okay, learn how to nourish myself and take self-responsibility for that first. And I think that's so, so important to be able to notice that because it creates more harmony in your life <laughs> and you're able to come from a more flow, ease state of being. Yeah, so important. And one thing I just wanted to mention as you were sharing, that came to me that's come up with work with clients as well is this prompt like which could be a journaling prompt or it could be even just something to leave a leave ourselves like a little voice memo about but just this prompt of what am I digesting to just stop in a moment in the day if there's this little bit of space and just even be like, you know, in this moment, I am digesting and just see what comes. Like to bring awareness to what we are all processing so much at any one time. There's interactions, there's work stuff, there's family stuff, there's things going on in the world, there's whatever, you know, there's like so many things. And just to like presence it helps with this process that that I was describing because it's it's not allowing it all to get big, big. It's just like, okay, what am I digesting right now? Can I just give a moment rather than constantly like overeating basically because we're just like taking in and taking in and taking in and taking in. And then it's like, okay, we wonder why there's like an energetic indigestion happening. So yeah, as we're talking about little things that we can do, I think that is something like, in this moment, I'm digesting and just see what, what comes up. Mm. Oh, I love that so, so much. I'm definitely going to use that for sure. <laughs> oh, I feel like that is such a beautiful place to wrap up our conversation. And yeah, it's such a beautiful takeaway that is so simple and yet so powerful and potent. So, oh, Sonali, I feel like, I mean, <laughs> I was about to say, I feel like I can talk to you all day, but I do talk to you <laughs> like very often. So, <laughs> oh, but I am just so honored and grateful that you took the time out to to be with me on this podcast and just share your, uh, your abundant wisdom and just like your presence. And like, I really feel like you just like exude and ooze and drip with juiciness of sensuality. And so thank you for 
allowing us to bathe in your transmission. Thank you. Thank you so much. This just felt so yummy and so good to drop in like this. And I really appreciate, like I said, you're, you're bringing that to my attention. Like, I want to talk about central alchemy. And I was like, oh yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> so thank you so, so much. I love what you're doing with this podcast and how you're showing up and how you're giving mothers permission to to have pleasure, to express themselves, to have their sensual sovereignty, all the things. It's so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Pleasurehood Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with my dear, lovely, and beautiful friend, Dr. Sonali Deepika. You can learn more about Dr. Sonali Deepika's work by visiting her website, IamSacredGround.com or better yet, go follow her on Instagram at IamSacredGround. I highly recommend her IG live series, Burn the Box. We briefly mention it in the interview, but definitely go check it out. You can find links to both her Instagram and her website in the show notes. Like I mentioned in the intro, this is the last episode of season two. I know, I know, but we'll be back with more goodness very soon. Season three is going to be packed full of yummy new insights, guest interviews, juicy wisdom, and downloads. And before I wrap up this episode, I want to take a moment to thank my team. They allow me to bring this podcast to you with lots of ease and flow. And I am so grateful for them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're new to the Pleasurehood podcast, first of all, welcome. And if you liked what you heard and you want to connect with me more, you can listen to past episodes, Follow me on Instagram at Justine Oxoy and also drop into my YouTube channel aptly named Wild Sexy Free. If you're an Apple podcast user, you can support the podcast by leaving a review there. I would really appreciate it. All right, beauties. That's all I have for you today. I'm sending you so much love, pleasure, and sexy vibes your way. And until we meet again, stay wild sexy and free.